excited about Thanksgiving. Come on, raise your hand if you're not excited about Thanksgiving. One of my favorite, favorite holidays of the year. I know so many times we skip right ahead to Christmas. How many have already put up Christmas lights or Christmas tree? I mean, I'm telling you, shame on you. We skip right ahead to Thanksgiving, or from Thanksgiving to Christmas and all those kinds of things. I love Thanksgiving. I, one of my favorite holidays of the year. I like the four F's of Thanksgiving. How many know what the four F's of Thanksgiving are? Fall, family, food, and football, right? Come on, right? The four F's of Thanksgiving. And I love this time of year. And as we head into the Thanksgiving holiday and then right after that into Christmas, we're beginning this brand new series over this next several weeks that we're going to be talking about. And the series is just called Hope. So everybody just say real strong, Hope hope. We're going to be talking about hope. And I know some of you got some hopes today. Some of you got like some hopes for the holidays even. Like you're already thinking, I hope my mom makes that special dessert that I just can't wait to eat. Some of you are saying, man, I hope the Cowboys can just finally win a game on Thanksgiving Day. Some of you are saying, man, I hope that I can just get along with the in-laws when we get together on Thanksgiving. And I hope that crazy Uncle Eddie doesn't show up and ruin everybody's day. Some of you are saying, and I hope I don't gain 10 pounds over this next week. How many are with me on that one, right? And we have all these things that we hope for when it comes to the holidays. And all those things are good hopes for us to have. But I believe that there is a deeper and a more powerful hope than the kind of hope that we really recognize in our world today. I mean, when you think about it today in the kind of American culture, and for those that aren't Christians, and even some of you that maybe are Christians, I think sometimes we get kind of a wrong idea of what hope is really all about. I think sometimes... Sometimes we have this idea, and when we say, I hope for something, or when we talk about hope, sometimes it's kind of like a wish. It's like, I want this to happen, or I desire this to happen, or I kind of wish, like, when you wish upon a star, you know what I'm saying? And like, I just wish these kind of things would happen, but there's really not much confidence in it. There's really not much guarantee in it. It's kind of like, well, I hope this happens, or I want this to happen, or I wish this kind of thing might happen. But I don't really know kind of what is going to happen. And that's kind of a worldly kind of idea of what hope is. But when we study the scripture, like we're going to do in this series, I think we're going to see something quite different about what hope really is all about. When we study the scripture, I think we're going to see something much deeper than that and something much more powerful than that. In fact, when we study the scripture, I think that we see that hope is something something that we that we may not understand in our own kind of human mind. In fact, if you're if you're taking notes, you might want to write down this kind of definition that we're going to have for hope over this next several several weeks. And this is a scriptural definition that hope is a strong and confident expectation. So everybody say that with me today. A strong and confident expectation. You see, biblical hope is is this idea that, hey, I may not know what's going to happen, but I have this confident expectation. It's like because I have relationship with Jesus, it's almost like I have a certainty in my hope. It's like there's this, this guarantee that I may not know what's going to happen or how it's all going to happen, but I can know that it's going to be good, right? Because I know that my God is good. And so there's this certainty that comes along with this hope that we experience in relationship 
with Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it this way. For so many people, hope is kind of just something that we do. Like, I hope today is a good day, or I hope that the weather is nice, or I hope that I don't catch any traffic on the way to work, or I hope they sing the song I like at church, and I hope the pastor is funny today. And it's just kind of something that we do. But as followers of Christ, hope is something much deeper than that. Hope is not just something that we do. Hope is actually something that we have. We have hope through Jesus Christ. In fact, that's what the scripture says in Romans chapter 15 and verse number 12. Look what it says. It says, the heir to David's throne will come and he will rule over the Gentiles and they will place their what? They will place their hope in him. That through Jesus Christ, hope is not just something that we do. Hope is actually something that we have. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks in this series. And the honest truth is there's not a lot of this kind of hope in the world today. I mean, how many would agree today? When you look around, there's not a lot of things to be hopeful about. There's a lot of hopelessness in the world. I mean, you just watch the news. You just scroll through your Facebook feed. You just listen to things that, that people are saying. I mean, you look out there and you've got terrorist attacks that are happening in Paris and in Lebanon and things happening around the world. You've got people who are starving of hunger. You've got, you got refugees that don't have a place to go and place to live. And then you look around and you see people. You go to work and you see people that you work with that are struggling with depression and suicide and in fact, I heard on the radio just last week that actually more people in America die every year for, from suicide than they do from car accidents. And man, you see this stuff and you see divorce and you see depression and you see domestic violence and you see economic struggles and you look at all this stuff that's happening in the world today and it's easy to get a little bit hopeless. It's easy to go, man, there's not a whole lot to be hopeful about And then on top of all the stuff that's going on in the world today, you look at your own life and you see the daily and the constant struggles of life, the personal struggles that you face. And some of you maybe even walked into this room today and you're facing some things that just seem to be just weighing down on you. Things happening in your finances or your marriage or with your children or your health and you just wonder... Where is the hope that the scripture talks about? You know, when I think about that, it reminds me of this, of this passage that I want us to look at a little more in depth this morning. In fact, if you have your Bibles or if you have your LifeGate app, you might want to turn there with me to the book of Lamentations. Lamentation chapter 3. And let me just give you a little background here. Lamentations was written by a guy named Jeremiah. And Jeremiah found himself in a very hopeless Situation. In fact, Jeremiah found himself where his people, the people of God, the Israelites, had found themselves being overtaken by the country of Babylon. And I'm telling you, this was a difficult, difficult situation that they found themselves in as the ba Babylonians had come in and they had taken the Israelites into exile. And Jeremiah looks around at his, at his home city and his home country, and it is just in ruins. I mean, the temple of Solomon that had been there for nearly 400 
400 years is burned and it's in ruins. And Jeremiah had been an eyewitness to all of these things. And so Jeremiah, he writes basically how he is feeling. He laments. That's why it's called Lamentations. And we see it here in Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 1. And look what he writes. He says, I am a man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry out for help, he shuts out my prayers. He has barred my way and blocked with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. Man, that's some dark stuff right there, right? I mean, it's like, it's almost like a Kurt Cobain song from the 90s, you know? I mean, it's like, this is, there's some dark stuff. This dude is in to major depression. And, and he continues to write in verse number 16. Look what he says. He says, he has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I had, what? All that I had hoped for from the Lord. Man, this dude is going through a bad time. Like he needs some sunlight or some Prozac or something. How many know what I'm saying? Like this dude is in a hopeless type of a situation. And some of you, you come into the place today and maybe things that have been weighing down upon you, struggles and problems that you're facing in your marriage or you're facing in your finances and you feel a little bit like Jeremiah felt. Like, man, somebody just kicked me in the teeth. Like something is weighing down on me and I just can't. It's like I'm walled in on every side and everywhere that I look, there is darkness and sometimes we look to even look to God and go, God, where are you at in the middle of this struggle that I'm facing today? You walk into this room and you find yourself feeling without hope. I started thinking about this. What is it that causes us sometimes to lose hope? What is it? If we have this hope in Christ, why is it that as Christians even, sometimes we live our life in hopelessness. And I just kind of jotted down four things that I think sometimes are the hope killers in our life. If you're taking notes, you might want to write these things down this morning. The first one is, I think sometimes delay. Everybody say delay. Delay. How many know waiting can sometimes be agonizing? Come on, how many know I'm saying? You ever been waiting on something that you were hoping for and then it didn't happen as quickly as you wanted it to happen? And it's like, man, it's like agony. It's like, it's like a kid waiting on Christmas. It's like, when is it going to come? When is this thing going to get here? And it's one thing if you know how long something is going to take. I mean, it's hard to wait even then. But at least if you know how long it's going to take, it's like, you know, when we go to the doctors, we got, we got a baby coming up in January. And, man, it's agonizing waiting on him to get here. But at least I know in January that baby's going to get here, right? 
And so like I can handle the waiting time because I know that it's eventually it's going to happen. But when you don't know how long something's going to happen or even if it's going to happen, how many know that sometimes that delay and those waiting times can sometimes cause you to feel a little bit hopeless? In fact, a couple of years ago, we started doing this, uh, a buddy of mine and myself, we started doing this uh, program called P90X. Anybody ever seen P90X before? You're up late at night while you're eating your donuts, you're watching through there, right? And you go, oh, maybe I ought to do that and get in shape. And so that's kind of what we did. We got the P90X, and so we start doing the P90X program. And man, I'm telling you, if you've never done it before, how many of you ever done it before? You ever tried it before? It is agony, I just got to say. Like, it is 59 minutes of just pure torture torture and pain and you're doing that thing and there's only one thing that got me through the p90x every single morning and there was this 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 one little deal down at the bottom of the screen how many know what i'm talking about it was it's it's a little it's a little timer down there that tells you how much longer you have to go right and I can tell you, there's a few of those days when I'm doing the P90X and I'm doing all these crazy stuff and Tony Horton's getting on my nerves and my buddy that's doing it with me is talking away at 6 o'clock in the morning. And man, and I, the only thing that kept me going was keeping my eye on that little timer. Because it's like, I know I can endure anything for 59 minutes. Because I know it's going to be over. Then after, after we did P90X for a little while, we started this other workout program. And we popped in the DVD. I remember that first time. We popped it in. And there was no timer at the bottom. And I'm going, man, how much longer am I going to have to do this? And some of you, that's exactly where you're at. And you, you're in this place where you're like, I don't know how long this is going to be. And you start to kind of lose Hope. In fact, that's what Solomon was writing about in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12. Look what he said. He says, hope deferred. Everybody say deferred. Hope deferred does what? It makes the heart sick. Like when you think something's going to happen and it's taken a long time, sometimes it can kind of just zap the hope right out of you. And some of you are in that position here today, maybe some of you have been praying for something for a long, long time. You've been hoping and believing for it to happen. And it seems like the more you pray, the worse it gets. Maybe some of you have got a loved one that doesn't know the Lord. And you just pray and you pray and you pray for them to come to know the Lord. And it seems like the more you pray for them, the further away from the Lord that they get. And you go, when is this going to happen? And the longer it takes, the less hope you seem to have. Some of you may be the desire, the dream of your heart is to one day meet that special someone and get married and have that dream wedding and have that dream, that dream marriage that you dreamed of. And so, you know, you're 20 years old and it hasn't happened yet. And you go, it's all right. I'm still young. I'm 20. But then you're 25 and it hasn't happened. And you're going, I don't know if this is going to happen. And then you're 30 and it hasn't happened. And all your friends are getting married. And then you're 35 and it ain't happening. And you're going, man, all the good ones are going to be taken and I'm always a bridesmaid and never a bride and you look at your life and you go this is all that I hoped for but it's taking so long and sometimes it just zaps the hope right out of you some of you maybe the desire of your heart is to have one day to have children and man you try and you try and you try and that's the fun part amen I'm just saying (laughs) don't look at me all holy like that you know And you try and you try and you try and you look around and all your friends are having kids and your pastor, the 39-year-old old man up there and they're having kids and you're going, when is it going to happen for me? And the longer you wait, the less hope you seem to have in your heart. Delay. Everybody say delay. Delay. Number two, look at this one. 
Sometimes it's not delay. Sometimes it's denial. Man, man, sometimes it's that I hoped for something and I waited for it. And then I got the final answer that it's not going to happen. In fact, that's kind of what we see with Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet, so he had seen what was going to happen. God had showed him what was going to happen to the Israelites if they didn't obey God. And so he had preached, and he had warned them, and he had prayed, and he had believed that they would turn their hearts back to God. But then it didn't happen. And so, and so Jeremiah finds himself in this place, and what he had believed for, and what he had hoped for, and what he had prayed for, now he finds himself in this place of denial, It's been denied. The answer is not maybe or wait a while. The answer is no. And some of you, maybe that's where you find yourself today. You hoped for that special someone to come along and you found what you thought was that special someone and you got engaged, but then something happened and it got broken off. And now the answer is, I I don't know. The answer is, no, we're not going to be married. Some of you maybe, you, maybe it's not just we want to have kids and we're trying to have kids, but the doctor has said, it's impossible. You will never have children. Some of you maybe you prayed and prayed and prayed for a loved one that's sick and they fought and fought, but they didn't beat the cancer and now they're gone and now you find yourself dealing with the grief and you find yourself in that place where the denial has come. The thing that you hoped for the most is not going to happen and it's so easy in those moments To lose hope, delay, denial. Look at this third one, disappointment. How many know that sometimes life can be disappointing? Sometimes when when you're hoping for something and the something that you hoped for doesn't happen and the disappointment comes, it's so easy to somehow just kind of give up the hope. The truth is that, man, people can be disappointing. How many have ever been disappointed by somebody before, right? And you trusted them, and you hoped in them, and you believed in them, and then they let you down. Maybe even a family member or someone, maybe a spouse, maybe someone that you put all your trust in. And then they mess up, and they let you down. And man, when you're disappointed in people, sometimes it's easy to kind of just lose hope in in humanity. And and sometimes it's the situations or the circumstances that, man, I hoped something good was going to happen. I hoped I was going to get that job, but then I got passed over and the boss gave the job to his son-in-law instead, you know. Or I hoped we were going to get that house. And, man, I was so excited. I already had it figured out where we were going to put our furniture and all that. And then the loan doesn't go through. And the circumstances and situations of life, and you find yourself experiencing that disappointment. Sometimes even church people can disappoint you. In fact, sometimes they disappoint you the most because you think, well, they're a Christian. They ought to know how to act and they ought to know what to do. And then they let you down. And so many times we put our hope in churches or in people or in pastors or in situations. And so many times those things let us down. We can even find ourselves at a place where we feel like even God has let me down. In fact, that's exactly where Jeremiah was. Look what he says right here in verse number 18. So he says, I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. Basically, Jeremiah says, I prayed. I believed. I hoped. I did what was right. And still, the circumstance didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to turn out. And it was almost like he was like, God, you've even let me down. Some of you maybe even are in this room today. And that's how you came into this place. 
thinking, man, I've done all that I can do. I've gone to church. I gave in the offering. I helped out in the nursery. I sang the songs. I lived a good life. I even gave my tithe. I did all of that stuff, and yet things still didn't turn out the way that I wanted them to turn out. And sometimes it's easy to even go, man, even God has disappointed me. And it's so easy to lose hope. The delays, the denials... The disappointments, number four, write this one down. Sometimes it's just the difficulties of life. Truth is, life's difficult sometimes. Even as Christians, even as followers of God, and we face some tough stuff sometimes, and life can just come right at you. In fact, there was a uh, commercial uh, a while back for an insurance agency, you might remember, and the tagline was, life comes at you fast. you remember that? And it was like, I remember there was this one where this butterfly comes in and just, you know, hovers in and then lands on the car, and it causes the car alarm to go off, which causes all kinds of stuff. A tree falls down, and people crash, and all kinds of crazy stuff, and then it's like, life comes at you fast. And how many know that's the way it is sometimes? Like sometimes it can just mount up on you and everything can come against you all at the same time. And sometimes it's, I mean, it's just the difficulties and the struggles of just daily life, of just trying to get up and get the kids ready for school and get to work and make the, make the bill payments and all those things. And sometimes it can weigh down on you so much that it can cause you to lose hope. There's good news. How many of you want some good news? Like two of you. How many want some good news? That's better. That's better. There's good news. The good news is this. In fact, this is really our key thought for the whole day. It's on the screen there for you. The good news is this. One day of hope can change everything. One day. One moment. One second. Just, just one light of hope can change everything. Everything can be collapsing in on you. You can feel like Jeremiah, like I am walled in on every side, like the world is kicking me in the teeth and I'm just without hope. But one day, one moment in time, one glimmer of hope can change everything. In fact, I like what someone said. They said human beings can live for 40 days without food. They can live for four days without water. They can live for four minutes without air. But we cannot live for four seconds without hope. And the truth is, this morning, when hope is lost, you are lost. But the good news is today, there is hope. And one second, one moment, one day of hope can change everything in your life. In fact, it kind of reminds me of the classic, world-renowned, award-winning, masterpiece movie, Dumb and Dumber. (laughs) Anybody ever seen Dumb and Dumber before? Come on, classic, right? You know the story. I mean, Lloyd Christmas is chasing Mary Swanson around all over the place because he just knows she's just the right one for him. And so he chases her around. And finally, the movie builds up to this, to this climax toward the end of the movie. And the music and the mood get just right. And finally, Lloyd just gets up the nerve to ask Mary. And he just asks her, he looks at her in the eyes and asks her the question, what are the chances that we could be together? You remember that part, right? And I mean the mood, the music. Is just romantic and whatever. And she looks at Lloyd with that chili bowl haircut and that chip tooth and those ridiculous clothes that he's wearing. And she looks him right in the eye and she says, I'd say the chances are one in a million. And all of a sudden the mood drops 
and the sad music begins to play, and you just know that Lloyd's heart is broken, but then there's this glimmer of hope, like one moment of hope, and Lloyd looks at at Mary and says, so you're telling me there's a chance. That's the kind of hope I'm talking about. But some of you walked into this room today and it feels like the world is against you and it feels like all hope is lost. But I'm telling you, one moment, one second of hope, one glimmer of hope can change everything for you. And we have that hope today in Jesus Christ. In fact, that's what we see happen here with Jeremiah. Jeremiah says in Lamentations 3 and 19, he says, I remember my affliction. I remember the wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them and my soul is downcast in me. Man, I don't have any hope. But then verse number 21, something just shifts and changes. It's like a new day or a new dawn, a new hope. In verse 21, he says, and yet though, I call this to mind and therefore I have what? I have hope Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new, what? Every morning. Like, it's like one day that we're in darkness. But every morning, there's a chance for a new hope. They are new every morning. For great is your faithfulness, I say to myself. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Jeremiah says, man, my life looked dark. It looked like there was no hope. But then I woke up and one morning, one day, one glimmer of hope and it changed everything. Come on, I'm preaching. Y'all ought to be saying amen. I'm just saying. You may have walked in this room today feeling hopeless, but I got to tell you, today could be that one day. This message could be that one glimmer, that one second of hope that will change everything for you. So you say, well, pastor, how do I have that kind of hope? Like, how do I live in that kind of hope? Even as a follower of Christ, sometimes I feel hopeless. How do I keep this kind of hope in my life? Well, I think we see a few things here from Jeremiah in this passage. And I just want to mention three of them just real quick this morning. The first one is simply this. We've got to learn to rely on the Lord's love. How many are thankful that God loves you? Man, if you want to have hope, here's what you do. You just think about how much God loves you. In fact, that's exactly what Jeremiah did. In verse 19, he says, I remember the affliction and the wandering and the bitterness and the gall. I remember them and my soul is downcast within me. He says, as long as I look at the problems, as long as I look at the circumstance, as long as I look at the darkness and the hopelessness that's all around me, guess what happens? My soul is downcast. I feel down. I feel discouraged. I feel depressed. I feel hopeless. But then look what he says. He says, but I remember all of this and and then I call to mind and this is what gives me hope. I remember remember how much God loves me. See, some of us, here's what we do. The reason that we have this feeling of hopelessness, even though we have the greatest hope in the world, the reason we carry around this hopelessness is because we're looking at the wrong thing. We're looking at the problems and we're reading the news and we're looking at the Facebook feed and we're talking to people and we're looking at all the circumstance and the stuff around us. And I'm not talking about just burying your head in the sand and pretending like there's no problems, but so many times we get so focused on that and we talk so much about that and we let that fill our thoughts and our minds. And when we do what happens, there's this heaviness and this downcast and this hopelessness in our soul. But if we would take our focus off of the circumstances around us and put our hope and put our focus focus upon Jesus Christ, if we would remember and rely upon how much love he has for us, I'm telling you, there would be a hope that would spring up fresh and anew in our hearts. You think about how much God loves you. 
You can't help but have hope. In fact, that's what Paul was talking about in this powerful passage in Romans chapter 8 and 35. Look what he says. Can anything, everybody say anything. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecution or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with, ne- with death? No, in spite of all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who what? Who loves us. Here's the deal. Some of you walk in and you go, man, I'm going through this problem and that problem and this happened with my wife and this happened with my kids and this is happening at work. And you're thinking, I don't think God even loves me anymore because he's allowed me to go through this stuff. And Paul says, hey, just because you have persecution or problems or calamity or struggle, that doesn't change the fact that God loves you. He says he loves us in verse 38. He says, I am convinced. Everybody say convinced. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Man, when we just get even just a glimpse of how much God loves us, I'm telling you, your heart will be filled with hope. How do we find this hope? We've got to rely on the Lord's love. Number two, write this down. We've got to learn to recall the Lord's faithfulness. Look what Jeremiah says, verse 21. This I call to mind. What is he saying? Hey, I remember. I'm recalling. I'm remembering the times that God has come through for me before. Let me ask you a question today. How many of you would raise your hand and say, God has come through for me in the past? There's been situations when I didn't know what I was going to do and God came through. There's been situations when it seemed dark, but God shined a light on the situation. There were situations when I didn't know what to say or I didn't know how it was going to work out, but God came through, right? And here's how you have hope. Remember. All you got to do is remember. Remember. Hey, if I'm going through a struggle right now, all I got to do is remember. Hey, I went through a struggle before and it might have been hard, but God brought me through it. And if he brought me through then, then he's going to bring me through today because he's the same yesterday, today and forever. And all I got to do is remember how faithful he is. But here's the problem. Some of us are good at forgetting. Like We don't remember very well. And what's amazing is that we can remember stuff that doesn't really matter, right? Like, I mean, if you were born between 1975 and 1985, you can remember the rest of this. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground. <laughs> Chilling out, Max, and relax. Right? Why is it that we can remember that, but we can't remember what the pastor preached last Sunday? Come on. We can remember, here's the story of a lovely lady and... But we can't remember what we read in our Bible this morning. We can't remember the last time when God came through for us, when we seemed like all hope was lost, but he shined his light on our situation. And here's the deal, is that sometimes we're good at forgetting, and we're just like the Israelites, and we forget all the stuff that God has done for us, and we get all this hopelessness, and all we really need to do is just remember, God came through for me then, he's the same God now, he's just as powerful, and he will come through for me now. In fact, that's what David was talking about in Psalm 103 in verse 1. He look, look what he says. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And what does he say? And forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Look at this. Apparently from the scripture, we see that that serving Jesus has some benefits, but apparently it's easy to forget those things. 
And when we find ourselves in the midst of feeling hopeless, here's all we have to do. Remind ourselves. Remind ourselves of of what it's like to serve God, of the benefits that come from serving God. Just remind yourself, hey, man, God has forgiven me of all my sins. He's healed me of all my diseases. He's redeemed my life from the pit. He's crowned me with love and compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things. He renews my youth like an eagle. And all I got to do is remember how good he is and how faithful he is. And some kind of hope begins to rise up in my heart. What are we going to do? We feel hopeless. We're going to rely on God's love. We're going to recall God's faithfulness. Number three, we're just going to rest. Rest in God's goodness. Man, this might be the hardest one of all to do. Because you know what happens when we start feeling walled in, we start feeling trapped, we start feeling hopeless. You know what we try to do? We try to make something happen. We try to jump out there and do something on our own. But look what Jeremiah says. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to remember that the Lord is good and I'm going to, he is good to those who hope in him. Verse number 26. And it is good to, what does that word say? To wait. To wait quietly on him. Sometimes when we find ourselves in a hopeless circumstance, you know what the best thing to do is just be quiet. Just be still. Just wait. Isn't that what the scripture says? Be still. And know that I am God. Reminds me of another passage that we've studied a lot here lately in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 30. And what does it say? It says, those who what? Who wait upon the Lord. They will what? They will renew their strength. You know, that, that passage, if you study it in other translations, sometimes for that word wait, you know what word they use? They use the word hope. Those who hope in the Lord. Sometimes it uses the word trust. Those who trust And the Lord, you know what I get out of that is that there's a connection sometimes between waiting and hoping. Sometimes there's a connection between trusting and hoping that sometimes, sometimes when I get into a situation where I feel like I don't have very much hope, maybe what I really need to do is wait. Maybe what I really need to do is just trust. Maybe what I really need to do is just rest and just know, just be still and know that he is God. Just be still and know that he has the situation under control, that I might be in the middle of a storm right now, but he is a God who speaks peace over the storm. And no matter what I face and no matter what's going on, and even when it feels like I'm closed in on every side and I have no way to turn, even when it feels like I'm at the darkest of the darkest of hours, that I can know, I can know that I can put my hope and my trust in him. And even at the darkest of times, all I got to do is wait. If I just wait guess what's going to happen there's going to be a dawn a new day a new day of hope and one day of hope can change everything and here's the best news of all guys whatever circumstance or situation you find yourself in today it ain't going to last forever in fact that's what jeremiah says in verse 31 he says for no one is cast off by the lord forever though he brings grief he will show compassion so great is his unfailing love. Psalm says it like this in Psalm 30 and verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but what? Joy comes in the morning. One day. One day of hope. It can change everything. You might be at your darkest hour right now, but his mercies are new every morning. Joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You know, it reminds me of the most powerful story of all. That day that they took Jesus, the, the sinless lamb, the son of God, who lived this life 
walked on this earth, the only person ever without sin. They took him and they falsely accused him, convicted him of wrong that he never did. They took him and they beat him within inches of his life, 39 stripes upon his back. They placed him on a cross and they took those nails and those spikes and they drove them into his hands, into his feet. They crammed a crown of thorns down upon his forehead. They hung him on that cross and on that day, that darkest of all days, the Bible even said that darkness took over the whole land. On that day, he breathed his last breath, gave up his spirit. The Bible said, he said it is finished. He died the most hopeless of all days. Imagine how the people who had put their trust in him, how they must have felt. Imagine how the disciples must have felt. Imagine how Mary and Martha must have felt as they took Jesus down off of that cross and they took his body lifeless and they buried it in that tomb and darkness covered the land, the darkest of all days. For one day he was in that tomb and it was dark. For two days he was in that tomb and it seemed hopeless. But on that third day, One day, one day of hope, one day of hope that can change everything. On that third day, the Bible says he jumped up out of that tomb. The stone was rolled away, and he was risen. And I'm here to tell you here this morning that no matter what you face and no matter what you're going through today, you may have had the darkest of days and the darkest of moments. You may be facing times that you just don't know what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. But I'm here to tell you that if Jesus went into that tomb, and he didn't just stay in that tomb on that third day, he came out of that tomb victorious, risen from the, from the grave. That, that is the most hopeless situation of all. But he conquered death and hell and the grave, and he can conquer your situation as well if you just know hey he loves me and I may be going through a struggle and it may feel like I don't have much to hope in but I got this hope that he loves me and he is with me and he is for me I got this hope that hey he's brought me through time and time and time again and if he did it then he'll do it again today and I can just rest I can rest knowing that he has it all under control that I don't just have to have a hope being something that I do I hope it's a good day or I I hope it all works out, but hope is something that I have because I have relationship with Jesus Christ, the one who went in that tomb and the one who rose on the third day. And that one day of hope changed everything.